Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to KFI AM 640, the Bill Handel Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It is a Thursday morning, March 23rd. A little bit rainy. Supposed to stop completely. But next week, uh, next Tuesday... The next storm comes in, and uh, what uh, some news that broke in uh, this morning is, uh, first of all, the uh, high school shooting suspect out in Denver, dead, completely, totally dead. They found his body, and uh, Jennifer was talking about the um, the uh, uh, grand jury in New York. They are meeting today. We didn't know, but they're not talking about Trump today. They're talking about something else. So it's, boy, is that up in the air. Now, uh, something happened yesterday in Montebello that the last time it happened was 43 years ago. And not when the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile showed up either. I don't know why I went there. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, Go figure. Very strange. What's in your diet? I I don't know. But anyway, what happened was uh, a tornado a tornado. We don't get tornadoes. Blake Trolley is out there. Uh, Blake, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, Bill, uh, when I saw the videos of this start circulating on social media yesterday, I immediately thought it was a hoax, but it's real. It seems this year Florida first lent us its weather. Now Kansas has decided to also let us borrow theirs. So, yeah, yesterday around 11 a.m., a tornado touched down in an industrial area of Montebello where there are also homes mixed in. Uh, People like this man who were uh, here at the time say the winds were really intense and came on really fast. The wind started pushing me like a little bit to the side, and I was like, oh, that's some strong wind, you know. Next thing you know, this big ass... Swerves in the middle of the block, like a mini tornado, you know. It was like, I don't know how you call it. Did you start seeing, like, roofs, debris, stuff yeah. like that flying? And then, yeah, when it, when it turned the cor- the block, it, what block is that? It's, uh, I don't know what block it is, but it turned to the left. That's when it got huge. And then you, you, you started seeing big-ass fences, like big fences, black big fences, just flying around. So for several hours yesterday, Bill, the big question was, was this actually a tornado or not? So the National Weather Service sent a team from Santa Barbara to make that assessment, and the team did conclude that it was, in fact, a tornado. The the assessment that the team made was based on only damage, believe it or not. So to break down some of the significant damage, responders discovered 17 buildings took on damage. 11 were red-tagged, meaning they're no longer safe to be in. Warehouse roofing was ripped up. A lot of trees in these cases you know came out uh plywood was flying around because that was ripped off a lot of these warehouse type buildings uh one building had its roof almost collapsed completely an hvac unit was ejected from the top of a building skylights were busted uh wood cross beams collapsed a power pole snapped and a transformer blew off which would explain a power outage that happened here yesterday police had to come and actually direct traffic gas stations power there's two gas stations yeah. on these corners 
corners. They lost power. And also, Bill, there were just many cars here yesterday that were damaged. I actually saw a report that one had its bumper ripped off, but most of the damage was windshields, other cosmetic issues, because debris flying around the air was smacking into cars and breaking windows. Now, as you pointed out, uh, which I, I immediately started questioning, the National Weather Service had to come out and look at the damage. They couldn't see the video uh, <laughs> th that we saw. You go, wow, that's a tornado. Sure looks like a tornado, talks like a tornado, walks like a tornado. Why don't we call it a tornado? And uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I agree. You know, it's it's always interesting how these officials have to really come and make a, you know, an assessment. But maybe part of it was just to make sure that it was legit and there was damage um, in the area. And I should point out, Bill, that uh, that damage, that assessment of damage that they use to you know, quantify if it was this a tornado or not. They also use in their measurement for how fast winds were moving in the area. I didn't know this, but uh, when a tornado rips through, they use damage to to take that that wind speed measurement because apparently there's really no way to measure the winds for the National Weather Service once a tornado hits. So uh, yesterday's tornado was uh, up to about 110 miles yeah, per hour. Yeah, that's serious. Considered an EF1. Yeah, that's serious. I mean, I saw a video of those uh, satellite dishes uh, flying off. It looked like a Frisbee contest going on. I mean, they were just flying all over the place. Blake, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. The Well, I'll do that right now, actually. And that is uh, the strike at uh, L.A. Unified School District Schools. It's over. It's finished. Today's the last day, and it's not even close to being over uh, because it was a three-day strike, to make the point. And you had uh, the SCI Union uh, Local 99. This was the lower paid workers at uh, LA Unified. The cafeteria workers, the bus drivers, the assistants, uh, the teaching assistants, et cetera. And uh, they went out on strike because uh, they just don't get paid enough. And the reason they don't get paid enough, there's two reasons. First of all, uh, it's a crappy paying job to begin with. Uh, this is, I mean, these people work very hard and they get, Nothing. I mean, starts at what sixteen dollars, sixteen eighty an hour is where you start with uh, LA Unified as one of the this job uh, category, and it goes up to a high of twenty three after I don't know how many years and how high up you go, and they don't work eight hour days. They only work five and a half, six hour days. I mean, cafeteria workers uh, after lunch, there's nothing there. So it's breakfast and lunch, and then you have bus drivers. I mean, they work a split shift, I'm assuming, because they have nothing to do until the afternoon. And so that it's the money is not wonderful to start with. And it's not full time. And you don't see a lot of overtime. So you put those two together, the average wage is $25,000 a year. And so the union is saying most of those workers have second and third jobs. Well, very few people who have what effectively are part-time jobs can make enough money uh, doing that work. So you have that. So they want a 30% raise. It's that simple. We want, and, and a bunch of other um, benefits. Uh, and not so much their own benefits, but smaller school sizes, uh, longer hours so they can get paid. Uh, just uh, the uh, classroom environment and the school environment. So what um, the school district is doing, it will give you 23% and uh, will not give you everything you want. And they walked. They've been in contract negotiations now for, what, at least a year? And they simply walked. So here was the strike. So it's over, all right? They made their point. We're done. Goodbye. 
except uh, you're going to see a strike again next week, probably, or the week after. And it's going to be open-ended. It's not going to be any of this three-day stuff. I mean, that's when uh, literally they stay, start playing chicken big time uh, because who caves first? The kids are out of school during a strike. So no federal money is coming in because uh, most of the money that comes in, the federal government pays a ton of the money, and it's done per students, per day attendance, which is why they're so fanatic about attendance. You remember in school, I mean, in junior high, it was homeroom where we had uh, just five or ten minutes. You go in, and it was for attendance. That was it. I mean, they came up with the rest of the crap. Here's what we're doing at school, and here's what's going on, and we've got a, a big rally coming up. No, no, it's for attendance because they have to prove to the government, here we go. So it is complicated stuff. So now we've got uh, the strike. And then the union is accusing uh, the school district of violating federal labor law as well as uh, the school district accusing or the union accusing the school district back and forth. Uh, what you did, school district, was illegal. You sent out uh, emails illegally. Uh, what you did is coerce uh, on our teachers, people saying, if you strike, we're going to make it miserable for you. I mean, the accusations are going back and forth. I mean, it's getting pretty bitter. So next step is a mediator comes in. And that's per law. You declare an impasse, and that's a legal term under the National Labor uh, Relations Act. You declare an impasse, and now the next step is a mediator coming in. Usually the mediator is selected, but in this case it's Karen Bass who is coming in and she's going to start negotiating and trying to cut a deal. Is that going to work? Well, right now, Karen Bass has some pretty high acceptance figures the um, district said, uh, this is the district, uh, district officials have been in conversation with local 99 leaders with the assistance and support of Mayor Karen Bass. We continue to do everything possible to reach an agreement, I'm quoting now, to reach an agreement that honors the hard work of our employees, corrects historical inequities, maintains the financial stability of the district, and brings students back to the classroom. We are hopeful these talks continue and look forward to updating our school community on a resolution. You put all that together, and that is district talk for go pound sand. If you think we're going to cave any more than we have been, you can put it where the sun, the sun don't shine. That, by the way, is a labor, uh, labor term that is accepted by the National Labor Relations Board. You can put it where the sun don't shine. Uh, so... You've got, we've got another teacher strike on our hands, and the stakes are high, both for the students and for the workers. The dean of uh, the USC School of Education uh, says this is a lose-lose situation when asked about this. The kids are losing out on their education. No kidding. Uh, the disruption is occurring just as a lot of them were getting used to being in school again after the horrors, the educational horrors of COVID during the pandemic which screwed everything up uh, to some extent, uh, the keeping the kids out of school legitimately and to another extent, keeping the kids out of school illegitimately because uh, we waited way too long to put the kids back in school. And I was one of those that proposed keeping them out and I was dead wrong on that. So uh, the district loses money every day while the school remains closed, which means they have less to negotiate with 
The workers are losing because they're grossly underpaid and because their actions may further weaken the district, which has less to negotiate with. It's spinning, and it's not spinning in the right direction. The union spokesperson said violations that the the district uh, has uh, already uh, done Uh, Illegal messaging, alleged threats of termination, on and on. And so now they're into the next step of what the law says uh, must be done. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they're like, I don't think they have to take another vote. I think that uh, the union can simply call for a strike, an open-ended strike, And the strike was so large. I mean, keep in mind, you've got two unions. One, the SEU is formally on strike. And then you have the teachers union, both having about 30,000 members. The teachers union joining the strike and not actually striking, but honoring the picket line. So that's 60,000 people that are on strike. I don't know if you saw the news. I watch national news, as you know, every day. That was the lead story last night is or the night before as you saw these strikes going on all the way these mass demonstrations going on in front of uh, uh, the bus parking lots that start out in the morning to schools to the district office I mean uh, just get prepared for another strike Uh, we know it's going to happen LA Unified the second largest school district in the United States 400 and something thousand students now, let's move a little bit closer to home and talk about some constitutional law. I love the cases like this. And this one is just fun. This is uh, a case about a poop-themed toy dog or dog toy. And it's actually about free speech is what it is, commercial free speech. And the case is Jack Daniels versus VIP Products. Now, VIP Products is the nation's uh, second largest maker of dog toys. And Jack Daniel says that uh, VIP products infringed on its trademark bottle. Everybody's seen a bottle of Jack Daniels. Not only is Jack Daniels, of course, trademarked, but the bottle itself is unique to Jack Daniels. So you couldn't come out and uh, make uh, or uh, create uh, some kind of a spirit, uh, whether it's whiskey or vodka or anything, and sell it in a Jack Daniels bottle because that's trademarked. Well, Uh, The dog toy made by VIP Products, which is named Bad Spaniels, uh, it's a soft toy, and it's in the shape of a Jack Daniels bottle. Jack Daniels uh, number two, Tennessee whiskey. And uh, there on the front of it is uh, a gag about some dog poop. And uh, it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. And, of course, Jack Daniel went to court immediately and says, I want a court order prohibiting VIP from continuing to sell the toy. The court said, no, thank you. And so now Jack Daniels takes it up, and uh, it's it's in front of the Supreme Court. 
So uh, this really has to do. Oh, no. I, and I have to uh, tell you what the quote was from Jack Daniels brief as they filed. And here's what they said to the court. Jack Daniels loves dogs and appreciates a good joke as much as anyone. But Jack Daniels likes his customer even more, its customers even more, and doesn't want them confused or associating its fine whiskey with dog poop. Yeah, a lot of confusion there. Your dog might not know that uh, it's not a real bottle and there's not real whiskey in there. Go figure. I mean, this is crazy, right? But then it has to do with trademark law and how serious this gets. Trademark law gives companies an exclusive right to use imagery as well as the name associated with their brand. McDonald's with the golden arches. You cannot sell hamburgers uh, with uh, your name on it, uh, Joe's Burgers, and have golden arches. That ain't going to happen because that is trademark, not only as to the name McDonald's, which of course you can't use, but you can't use the imagery associated. Now, are there exceptions? Yeah. Trademark law permits companies to sell products that parody a famous trademark. If it's clearly parody and you can tell it's a joke and there's no confusion, you're allowed to do that. Well, that trademark violation isn't going to fly. Jack Daniels has no chance because clearly this is parody and there is no confusion. However, there's another part and it's called dilution. That... Jack Daniels is arguing that toy diluted Jack Daniels' trademarks by associating that toy with dog poop. And uh, Jack Daniels doesn't want consumers to think about dog poop when they think uh, and see a bottle of Jack Daniels. I don't understand why Jack Daniels would die on this hill. It just doesn't <laughs> seem like something big because enough. You do why wouldn't you to, look at it as promotion? You do it to protect your image. Just you dumb. do it to protect your image and you get fanatic about it. It's like Disney. If you take, and this, this is for real, there are, and I think it was one case, but there have been several where you have um, these daycare centers run by moms where they have six kids in there. And on the wall, they paint uh, Mickey Mouse or Minnie or one of the Disney characters. And Disney sends out a letter, cease and desist. Their lawyers say, you take that off or we're taking you to court. And they will. And they do. They are fanatic about protecting their brand. And that's exactly what's happening with Jack Daniels. So does it dilute the uh, the trademark? Do you really think of dog poop? By the way, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at a picture of both of these. I mean, it's uh, you can tell it looks like a bottle of Jack Daniels. Oh, it's all red. There's nothing clear about it. it doesn't have that uh, golden color. It's the same size, the same shape. Uh, but it's a squishy toy, and it's um, it's ruining Jack Daniels. Now when I look at a bottle of Jack Daniels, all I think of is dog poop. Which way do you think the court's going to go on that one, huh? But there is a serious aspect to it, and that's how far does trademark infringement goes. Now, uh, March 11th, 2000 or 2020, what happened? The World Health Organization, the WHO, also a great band, uh, called the outbreak of uh, coronavirus uh, a, a pandemic, a world pandemic, which means this is a an uncontrolled disease virus that spreads throughout the world. Endemic means uh, that it's just so, sort of with us now, and that's what it is now. By the way, uh, the United Nations Health Organization says it's not ready to uh, say the emergency has ended. It's still here. 
This is the third anniversary. The virus is still spreading. The death toll is now approaching 7 million worldwide. Yet, who thinks about it anymore? Right? We've resumed our normal lives. We don't do masking. Occasionally, you'll see a mask, but very rarely. And we now have this immunity, this wall of immunity uh, built from, first of all, so many people being infected. And you build an immunity and the vaccines that have come into play. But if you talk to a virus researcher, Thomas Friedrich of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, he's well-known, he says new variants are emerging anywhere and could threaten us everywhere. This is still pretty dangerous stuff. And it's harder to keep track uh, tabs on what's going on because the information sources are drying up. The health authorities aren't as fanatic uh, collecting information, mandating, not for much mandating vaccines or masks, but I'm just mandating the information. How many people? Who died? Let's keep track of it. And so we still are, well, according to the experts, some experts in a world of hurt. Uh, Eric Topol, who is head of the Scripps Research uh, Institute in La Jolla, studying this, said we become numb to the daily death toll. Uh, but we still have to look at it as too high. I mean, keep in mind that before uh, the uh, variant came, before COVID came, no one died of COVID. And so if uh, now, what, a thousand people are dying a day, but who cares? That's a thousand people around the world. What does that mean? It means nothing. So the, uh, it's simply uh, has disappeared and it's, we don't even make a big deal about vaccine mandates anymore. Remember how fanatic everybody is? Now it has gone back to just uh, vaccines cause autism or they cause ulcers or whatever the hell you want to say. But according to Topol, it goes any moment this virus could change again to become more transmissible. Do you know how many uh, variations have come out of this virus? The variants uh, are about 100 Genetic differences from that original coronavirus strain. There's been a hundred changes in the virus. Matthew Binnaker, who is another expert in uh, viral infection at the Mayo Clinic out of Rochester, in an interview said, the world is in a very different situation today than we were three years ago, where there was, in essence, zero existing immunity to the original virus. Remember, people were dying like crazy. We had Jim Keeney on all the time. I mean, he works, uh, he's an ER doc at uh, Mission Hospital, and he was taking in patients. And I remember talking to him on the air, off the air. I was on the phone with him all the time. And it was it was a death sentence. If anybody came in over 65, over 70 with COVID and had to be put on a ventilator, that was a, a 90 or 95% chance that death was going to uh, follow that. It was a virtual death sentence if you were on a ventilator and you had COVID with either underlying medical conditions and or were over 65, 70. Used to be AIDS. Do you remember AIDS, HIV AIDS? When it first came out, it was a death sentence. That simple. You would die. There was no way out of it. Today, uh, it's a chronic disease, completely controlled. And your lifespan, the prognosis is... Basically the same as anyone else, assuming you follow uh, the regimen of taking uh, the drugs. I think the drugs now, remember, it used to be you take 46 pills and you had to take them at 10 and 10, 12, and you couldn't eat this. I mean, there was a whole thing you had to calendar. Today, it's you pop one pill a day or one pill a week and you're fine. 
whatever it is. I mean, we've moved ahead scientifically. So we've made great strides. And the problem with great strides and great successes with a virus that can explode any moment back to where it was is that we become numb to it. And that's what has happened. And the doctor's saying, hold on, watch out. Not that I want to scare you, but yeah, I want to scare you. Why the hell not? I, I enjoy doing it. It makes you happy, doesn't it? It that really does. Yep. Yeah, it really, yeah, it makes me happy. Now, it is time for Business Time with uh, Jason Middleton. Uh, Jason, of course, heard two to three on Sundays with his financial show and is an anchor here on KFI, so you hear him all over the place. And we were just talking about property values, and <laughs> I was looking at an article in New York Times, which I always put up every uh every day and I look at real estate prices because I love, I, for some reason I should have been a real estate agent. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And in uh, Kaukauna, Wisconsin, a 1917 craftsman in a very nice area. It's a neat little town. $249,000. Really? Yeah. For a whole house? A whole house. Not just a remodel of one bathroom like here. Uh, It's $135 a square foot. Wow. I mean, it's just nothing around. We were talking about how crazy it is here. But uh, we've got other stuff to talk about. And I think we start with uh, the big one. And that is that yesterday the feds did raise the interest rates by a quarter of a point. And- it always connects with what, how does the stock market, how does the market deal with this? And the market is up substantially. Up substantially. Uh, the Dow is up. Uh, the S&P 500 is up, which is, I. by the way, that's the takeaway. If you want to know what the economy is doing for the day, the S&P 500 is the best sample. Just, it's the best. Uh, NASDAQ is flat because we, uh, we still have some explain, tech layoffs. Explain the difference between the Dow and NASDAQ and the S&P 500 Okay, so the Dow is a deeper and wider pool of, of, of all the publicly shared stocks that aren't on the other two indexes, okay? So that's, uh, that, that ranges from market cap-wise. The size of your business is from a couple right, of billion but the Dow is, uh, we're talking about the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, yeah. That's where these, are. and these are the big industrials, right? Well, the S&P 500 are the top 500 companies, so it's on there too. And, and the less Dow is the, the, the top 30 or something? Yes. Well, well, the, the Dow Jones Industrial, yeah, the index is, but, uh, but everything else trades on there too. And the NASDAQ's just tech heavy. So when you see all the headlines about tech layoffs and things like that, it ripples through okay, the NASDAQ. So the, S- the S&P 500 is- uh, it's, just, it's, it's just the easiest thumbnail sketch of what the what the market is really doing. And it's 500 companies. Yes, it is. Okay. So that's a lot. Spread out uh, yes. pretty wide. All right. So that helps. Across all sectors. Yes. yes. So- 0.25%. ABC's uh, national uh, business reporter, Caleb Silver, owes me a venti Starbucks because I said it was going to be 025 He said it would be none. A lot of bankers wanted it to be none because of what's going on since Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and what's happening in crypto, which is still seen as an agent of chaos or a proxy for chaos. So uh, the 0.25% says a couple of things to me. And I was listening to Wayne this morning talk about it, and he he his take was pretty hot as well because – they needed to show that they have their eyes on the ball when it comes to inflation because that's their, their statutory mandate is to control inflation and get us to full employment. So 
the labor market, we have numbers this morning. Uh, weekly unemployment numbers came in less than expected. So that's still really tight, which is also pushing up inflationary pressure. Yeah, but we're at full employment. Basically, yes. There, 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 are, there are way more openings than there are people to fill them. So there is that. Now, and a, a, a quick note on that, too. I've mentioned before, but the tech layoffs, a lot of those things never show up in the unemployment because those people get poached because of their talent levels. Yeah, their, their Amazon just cut uh, 9,000 more jobs. Uh, are 9,000 people leaving Amazon and immediately getting a job across the street? Likely so. Same thing is happening with banks that close. A lot of talent search is going on there. And actually, the Fed and Wall Street have relaxed being able to hire people from other banks and poach talent because of what's happening in the financial sector. Sector. That's new today as well. But uh, I don't we'll stay with the Fed for a second. But I do have something on Amazon and other tech. Uh, the Fed needed to show that it has its eyes on the prize when it comes to inflation, because the only thing that sucks worse than uh, taking jobs out of the market is persistently high cost for consumers. Two thirds of the economy is based on what we spend. So there's a big deal there. Also, J-PAL did pivot a little bit. So it's not just the number you get. It's the guidance that you get from the Fed. So in about 37 minutes of his press conference yesterday, which was uh, tighter than usual, not as short as it has been in the past, he did say that they would probably have one more hike this year if you read between the lines. They never get that explicit. You're, you're right about that. The, the, the phrasing and the, uh, the adjectives they use is very important. Yeah, really. And Jay Powell, by the way, of course, is the uh, chair of the Fed. Yes, thank you. So when uh, he sneezes, uh, the entire world calls. I, I just always say Jay because I have the trading cards of all the Federal Reserve presidents. Well said. Thank That's you. not bad. That's, That's pretty good. Have we finished with uh, the interest rates already? So uh, No, I think we're going to get one more this year. Don't look at anything rolling back. Even okay. though Elon Musk tweeted he, 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 he wants a 0.5% rollback. Look, that's not going to happen. 2024 is when Jay Powell and the Fed is going to reassess. But right now, I think we have at least one more raise. And I honestly think there might be two. Because I think if they keep doing 0.25 incremental raises, it's easier to pull those back. If they if they do another 0.5, though, that's going to really shake things. But we were uh, inflation was dropping. Yes, it has for but, about six months in a row. I think. However, yeah. it's pretty flattened out, isn't it? It is pretty much. It's tenths of a point, not not full points. Okay, so, so we're, st we're still hovering six percent. So which it's, is still it's too, too high. high. Too which high. is still too high. Their their mandate is two percent, which I think is just total BS because the European Central Bank, which is equivalent to the Fed, their their mark is about three and a half to four percent. Isn't it's that more, about right? Three three and a half percent it, is about right. A healthy economy can maintain three percent inflation. Yes, period. That's that's even from Elizabeth Warren and her her history as an economics professor at Harvard. She proved that as well. So having them at a two percent is a little bit yeah. uh, overshooting the goal. Yeah, didn't uh, she get her P PhD in Lenin Marxism? Uh, no, it was economics, Bill. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it was. Yeah, it was capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> You know, actually, in Russia, they actually did. They had yeah. PhDs in Lenin Marxism, and it's complete crap. Yeah, it's completely made up. Yeah. It has absolutely no connection to reality, and you got a PhD. In Trotsky it. dropped out. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a hammer in 1936 Yay. in Mexico. Uh, now let's talk about Amazon and all of these tech companies uh, firing people. But it, what, but as you said. The, the other side of the story is they're all getting rehired. Sure. They're either going to startups uh, where they can get equity out of the door uh, or in the, coming in the door, they get equity. Uh, this is a, this is a very highly skilled labor force that moves around. But because of NDAs, uh, you have to worry about proprietary. So anyway, before we get in the weeds on that, I, I uh, you, the tens of thousands that you see, uh, thousands of that, 10, 15 percent might show up on the unemployment rolls. OK, they get picked up. But I do think we're seeing a trend here that my, I'm going to cover this weekend on macro because 
this we have, we've been worried about the word contagion when it comes to the financial sector. What, what about unemployment? Mean? Contagion means basically the, the run on the banks. It's, it's a crisis okay. of confidence that, okay. that can spread. Okay. It's a psychological thing, not an economic thing. I think this is more of an economic thing, which has me a little bit more worried because if the, if everybody sees the tech sector dropping all these things and still maintaining share price and investor value then that might be a business model for the rest of this year. So rather than creating or iterating, uh, firing and cost cutting is a way forward for maybe other industries as well. And I did some math. So big tech companies, we're talking uh, Apple, Meta, Amazon, et cetera. They operate at about a 40% margin, which is pretty healthy. Wow. Yeah, that is healthy. Right. If you want to per share if, at that level, if you want to provide shareholder value, you either have to add two and a half dollars in revenue per share or you can cut $1 in your operating costs, hence cutting to the bottom line. And I think that other industries are going to see that and say, well, how far can we go? Because tech right now is cutting into, if you will, the, the fat middle that happened during the pandemic, right? So we're getting through the fat in the tech sector. Pretty soon we're going to hit muscle. If we hit bone, then they'll be like, oh, we have to start hiring again. And then they'll, we'll have recalibrated. Meanwhile, they're setting a beacon for other industries that may... Now, some industries are going to be immune to this, like construction, because it's a different skill set. But some of the others are not, especially with AI coming down a little bit too, taking up some of the softer oh. skills. Yeah. Now I want to talk about AI. Talk to Rich um, uh, DeMuro about this. Uh, the AI in terms of control, literally the, the, the part, of course, that uh, affects me and my psyche is taking the bar. Yeah. Uh, AI took and a 90% pass rate. Yeah. Uh, nobody has a 90% pass rate. There isn't a school out there that has a 90% pass rate. I'm talking Harvard and mm -hmm. nobody does. And here is AI that's going to do this. So I want to now connect AI, artificial intelligence, and what it can do and connect it to uh, the market and investments. If you have AI that can now read every bit of history of every market Look at every prospectus of every business. Look at the history of sales. Look at the history of costs. Look at everything, the gender of the, uh, of the CEO's kids. Mm -hmm. uh, why would you ever need a financial uh, advisor? Because you've got the machine that's going to tell you everything. Okay, there, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. There is no doubt. Artificial intelligence is an iPhone moment. So things are different now, okay? Ever since iPhone 1, Steve walked out on stage, everything changed. This is the same kind of thing. It's an industrial revolution kind of change in things. To your point about financial advice and things, it's not that smart just yet. Okay. It will get there. And I know that Rich has told you the same thing. Like a lot of this stuff is clickbait headlines, scary and stupid. Some of it's not. This week alone, we had some serious stuff that came down when it comes to AI. First of all, the new brains, uh, which means semiconductors and the, the chips that are coming out. NVIDIA had its semi-annual conference this week. Uh, quantum mechanics, uh, quantum computing just went way up. Uh, and the other thing is copyright. You were mentioning earlier, I think in the six o'clock hour right. with Handle on the News, you were talking about copyright. There, uh, So Adobe and NVIDIA and a couple of others have have said, and the copyright office has said, and the patent office has said, uh, if it comes in via AI, it still needs to be copyrighted and patented, but it's still legit. So we're going to see a glut of, of these so-called developments. Not all of them are going to stick, but once, once somebody finds a model where AI can help them make money and make predictions that they can make money on, yeah. Uh, this comes down to boardrooms and it comes to management. Yeah, so the point is you're going to see business, manufacturing, sales, probably uh, to the lesser extent, 
all being done by machine and the thinking. It'll be augmented by machine for sure. I still think you have to have organic intelligence in order to point things a certain way because the, the computer's not there yet. You're talking about this. We're not near the singularity just yet where there's a merger of AI and organic intelligence and it comes and then that's when the robots to kind of take over. That's the phrase. Um, we're, we're not near there yet, but augmenting things and making things more efficient and maybe getting rid of some skill sets and jobs and humans, maybe that is definitely, well, maybe that's definitely, it's definitely coming. Yeah. It just depends on where it's applied. Yeah, interview with Bill Gates uh, talking about AI, and he said he is more frightened of AI than mm-hmm. anything else. He is genuinely scared of where it's going to go. Which is why ChatGPT and its founding organization, which is a for-profit, but it's a capped profit company, they had ethics baked into their business plan a business model, which is why Microsoft felt comfortable adding them uh, and and investing $10 billion in them. Other places are not going to be as ethical. So Bill has a point on when it comes to that. This is where regulation has to start stepping in. And trust me, the septuagenarians and octogenarians on, on Capitol Hill and the Senate are not going to be able to grasp this. And so they're going to have to have really smart teams to help us get ahead of it because it's coming fast. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what organic intelligence is around here. <clears throat> and I've, I've never quite gotten it yet. Watch it. Sundays at two o'clock. Listen to Macro. Uh, okay. Or anywhere you like on the iHeartRadio app, uh, and that was yeah, for Robin. Uh, that makes sense. All right. I, do you know what you're going to talk about, by the way, on Sunday? Do you yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to I'm gonna go deeper on the tech layoffs thing for sure, and we're going to look at the AI stuff. We're going to get rid of the scary and stupid, and we're going to talk about the important and smart. Okay, that's Sunday, 2 to 3, uh, Jason Middleton. Now, it's uh, Musings with Mo. Mo Kelly, who uh, joins us uh, every Thursday. And he is heard every night from 7 to 10 p.m. on uh, the cleverly entitled Mo Kelly Show. Mo, good morning. Good morning, my friend. Oh, yes. Thank you uh, for calling me your friend uh, because very, very few people do. Now let's move to just really quickly uh, this case uh, about uh, the influencers. Lindsay Lohan and rapper Akon. Is that the way you pronounce it? Yep, Akon. Uh, and then you got uh, Ni Yo. Um, is that right? That's correct. Okay, Neo. and Lil Yachty, I guess he sells yachts. Uh, go figure. Uh, you've got a bunch of these people who uh, have huge followings on um, the social media, and they were pitching crypto and didn't tell people that they were pitching crypto. And now they've all settled for, I think, a combined $400,000 with the SEC. But let's talk about how prevalent that is. Uh, in terms of these influencers, I know they make tons of money and they sometimes get, well, I guess they make tons of money based on uh, the advertisers. Is that right? Oh, they, they absolutely do. And you think about the the amount of revenue they generated for these companies to only be assessed a $400,000 combined fine and penalty suggests that, you know, it's actually in their best interest to not disclose that they are um, endorsing a, a crypto company because there's really no uh, penalty attached. Well, let me ask you this. How do you endorse a crypto company without endorsing a crypto company? Do you sort of do it generically? Uh, how, how does that work? Well, you can uh, post on Instagram or Twitter or any of your social media sites saying, hey, I just made this large investment to such and such, such crypto.com currency. I've made so much money. I want you to join me. And if you don't put in like hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, it's not explicit that you're being a paid endorser. And so people take you on the strength of your word and you're in theory, actually, uh, you're actually being misled because you're not divulging that you're receiving a fee for saying these things. Yeah. And how much money are we talking massive amounts of money here? 
old master. We're talking in the millions. So that's why I look at the 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 fee of and penalty of four hundred thousand combined for all of them, and that's uh, that's almost like a. Uh, something that you would be not uh, afraid of because it's not a deterrent going forward. And when you talk about uh, the influencers, how many people uh, are following these people? The tens of millions? No, more than tens of millions as an aggregate. Uh, you, just one of those influencers would have tens of millions on just say Twitter. That's not including Instagram. That's depending on the person. That's not including OnlyFans. That's not including any of their social media platforms where they, if they just post something, they will meet millions of people instantaneously. And that doesn't take into account the exponential nature of people retweeting or liking or sharing. Just wild. That's uh, yeah, there has to be. And I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm sure that there's legislation being introduced or contemplated saying you got to tell people there has to be some kind of transparency. But the Internet's the Wild West, isn't it? Well, there is legislation, and that's why the SEC did have the authority and the autonomy to find these individuals. It's just that the fines are insignificant okay. in comparison. Let's uh, go right into what's happening with uh, these tickets uh, the, uh, the, the insane ticket prices used to be scalpers. You would uh, get, it would charge these kind of ticket prices for uh, concerts. Now face price is ridiculous. People are going to Europe for this now. Well, it's, it's there's scalpers as well by a different name. The demand for an artist like Beyonce is always going to be higher in the United States. And also the, when you have that demand, fewer tickets going to be made available because there's the corporate class that you're always trying to accommodate. And there are also more house seats. And so there are just fewer tickets which are available to the lay individual like you and me. And the resale market as an extension of that is out of control. Like the Beyonce tickets, you can find tickets online available for $3,000 to $4,000 each. The resale market, because there are fewer tickets available and there's also the Ticketmaster issues. So if you want to go to um, London or you want to go to Paris, you can save money or even actually make it uh, gain some money if you were to just buy a ticket, fly internationally and pick up a ticket and watch her in Stockholm or London or Paris as opposed to Los Angeles. Yeah, the part that uh, that what you said interests me is how uh, less popular a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift would be in Europe because obviously these are international stars uh, that they're as well known there as here. Why is the popularity less there? Why wouldn't well it's less there if only because they are not a superstar in the sense of Beyonce was homegrown. In other words, we saw her from age of 15 up until now. She's about 40 years old. All of her music is directly uh, marketed to us in a way that it is not internationally. There's some songs which don't have the, the worldwide appeal that they would hear. Um, she is our star. So generally, okay. she's not going to have the same appeal around the world. I, well, let's talk about your, just really quickly, uh, a Paul McCartney. And I remember that's the most money I've ever paid for a concert ticket in my life. I was 300 and something dollars a ticket and I went nuts. Uh, I would think that he would be as popular, as big, as expensive overseas, or, or is America simply an outlier when it comes to this? Well, there's also the idea of Paul McCartney. How often does he tour as opposed to Beyonce? Beyonce, maybe 30, 40 years from now, when she's at the end of her career, if she's still touring, that would be a different matrix to consider as far as uh, the value of her tickets. But Paul McCartney, well, you're only going to get one more chance to see him most likely in the way that we saw Elton John another foreign artist, and so forth. So there are a lot of variables in the equation. Okay. 
Uh, moving over to something that I've talked to uh, Rich Demuro about and also Jason Middleton, and we're talking about the business aspects of AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and that artificial intelligence, I mean, we look at this, can literally write Shakespeare uh, with, using the same language, the same feeling, the same intonation, uh, can write songs. As I've often said, take the bar exam with a 90% pass rate. There isn't a school on the planet that has a 90% uh, pass rate. And now the Writers Guild, as part of the negotiation, doesn't want AI involved in writing scripts, which it can do. It's like, can you imagine screenplay by Hal uh, as you uh, end the movie? Where's this going to go? And how do you feel about this, Mo? Well, actually, we are going to be talking about this later on tonight with later with Mo Kelly at about 8 p.m. tonight. But I can tell you this, that this is going to fundamentally change everything in our lives from our day to day lives, also to our professional lives and also on a macro level as far as how business is conducted. Because you have the the artificial intelligence is at a point where it's almost not quite, but almost indistinguishable from that of a person. Now, we're not there yet, but maybe five to 10 years, we will be there. And then in terms of the WGA, uh, the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild, when you have uh, work which can be created by an artificial source, when I say the Directors Guild, you can create deep fake movies. You can create movies now without any human input. You have to then redesign contracts to reflect that. Um, that if you're going to pay someone residuals or, or royalties, if it happens to be the music, you have to make sure that there is a human component. And that is how the business is struggling to figure out how do you determine it and how do you prevent yeah. it? You know, I'm, I'm going into thinking, I'm going to bring it now to screenplays and movie making, taking the AI in that direction. And as I'm thinking this through, because I'm really diving into this in terms of what it can do, and that is uh, it writes a screenplay, let's say, And uh, it does it in a way that it already figures out how many movies, how successful around the world uh, screenplays were. What screenplay uh, was written for what movie that did the most success, that hit the most demographics, uh, that, I mean, just all of it. And they know it, uh, AI knows every single film, every word on the planet that has ever, ever been done. So now you would think, okay, uh, all I have to do is give AI the concept. I've got this concept, take it. Well, how about this? What's the best concept uh, that you can come up with that is the most popular and then write it? So Bill, they've already done that. They've already done it with music where they put into AI, find the best song, use the most popular chord changes or the type of uh, uh, chord progressions, which appeal to the most people around the world. This is already happening. It's been done in music. I have to assume it's being done right now on the cinematic side. So uh, the negotiate, it almost seems like uh, the Screenwriters Guild are a bunch of Luddites who are saying you can't use this. Almost like factory workers saying you can't bring robotics in because that's the future. We want to keep our jobs. Uh, is, is it that kind of a feel? It could be. Part of it is the fear of being replaced and being um, automated, if you will. And also, it's, it has to do with intellectual property and copyright. Who owns the copyright to a movie created by AI? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, there is a bar review question, right? A bar question. Oh, good God. Uh except uh, no person would be able to answer it as well as uh, the artificial intelligence program that's taking the bar. I mean, completely insane. Touche. Yeah, there you go. Mo, uh, tonight, 7 to 10 p.m., he'll pick up on this. uh, uh, At Mr. Mo Kelly is uh, his social address. Mo, take care.
See you soon. All right. Yeah. Catch you tonight. All right. Coming up, uh, Gary and Shannon want to remind you that I am taking phone calls for Handle on the Law. As soon as I lock out and uh, Gary and Shannon start their show, I'll be doing that off the air. So you can call me at 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150. And that's marginal legal advice where I tell you, uh, and I love to tell you, you have absolutely no case. Gary and Shannon coming up. Gary, uh, what are you going to talk about this morning? Well, I had a TikTok is on Capitol Hill, so we'll hear some of uh, his very incomplete answers about what they're going to be doing. Also, this whole scenario about whether uh, there will be a grand jury meeting today in Manhattan to discuss the Trump issues. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then, because I spent so much time in the airports over the last couple of days, could I land a plane if I had to? No. Hey, don't jump to the... You've been listening to The Bill Handel Show. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.